Chapter Twelve of the Crimson Cryptogram by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Twelve. Mr. Busham, Solicitor. Lounging in his chair, Zirknitz made this astonishing statement as though it were the most natural thing in the world. Mrs. Moxton looked at Ellis in surprise, and both looked at Rudolph. "'Is this true?' asked Ellis, doubtfully. "'Eh, monsieur, most assuredly. I tell lies only when necessary.' "'Rudolph, you must explain how it was you came to be in Dukesfield on that night.' "'My dear sister, did I not say I would come for Janet?' "'Yes, and you never kept your promise.' no chimed in ellis polly horley said the same thing rudolph smiled in a most engaging manner ah that excellent horley how much she knows of what she knows not my sister have i your permission to smoke mrs moxton impatiently nodded an assent but i am waiting to hear how you did not come for janet and yet were in dukesfield on that night with great deliberation Zirknitz selected a cigarette from his silver case and lighted it before making any reply. Selfish in his every act, he offered none to Ellis, an omission which troubled that gentleman very little. He had no great love for this egotistical butterfly. "'My Laura,' said Rudolph, blowing a whiff of smoke, "'on that night I was playing cards in the salon of the music-hall, and I won twenty pounds from Edgar.' He had not the money, but he gave me an I.O.U. Then, most furious at his loss, he drank and drank until he was as a wild beast. I was going for Janet, and at the station I saw our Edgar. But to avoid him I went in another carriage. At the station of Dukesfield I tried to run from him, but he saw me and followed. Cabotis! There was trouble, and he wished to fight so when he went home i saw it was foolish to come for janet as edgar would be raging i took back another train and a cab to my rooms in bloomsbury voila the story not all the story said ellis you have left out the most important part about busham ah that dear busham when edgar was angry with me on the platform of the dukesfield station i see out of my eyes corner that clever advocate he was watching our dear Edgar, but did not come near him. I knew him. Oh, yes, I knew his face very well. I did not know you were acquainted with him, Rudolph. Best of sisters, I do not tell you all I know or do. Our Edgar one day took me to see the excellent Busham in his office, where they did fight. Oh, I tell you, monsieur, the good Busham sent us away with a flea in our ears edgar spoke of his father and said that busham was a rogue wanting the money so we had trouble and we left very enraged so i met busham the pig finished zirknitz smiling and i do not forget his face he was watching edgar on the night of his death we oui, da he thought i saw him not but i did see him ma foi i have quick eyes laura as you know well he ran out of the station after edgar and i am certain followed to kill him and what time was this on eleven i did hear the clock of the station strike when i was enraged with edgar and moxton was drunk inquired ellis anxiously he was straight drunk for he could walk and cross drunk assuredly since he wished to fight with me but i care not for boxing said mr zirknitz gracefully 
and i go home to bed before twelve of the clock like a good little boy aha monsieur you think i kill edgar do you not eh bien you demand of my landlady if i was not in my bed before twelve of the clock i did not kill our poor edgar why should i when he owes me twenty pounds cher ellis you are in the wrong box you had better wait until i accuse you before excusing yourself said ellis dryly but even with this story of busham having been at dukesfield i do not see how you can be certain of his guilt eh to me it appears clear this clever busham wanted the money of his uncle and murdered edgar to get it but rudolph at that time mr busham knew that a second will had been made most certainly cher lara if no second will had been made this excellent busham would have not killed edgar we can say nothing for certain until we see busham said ellis after a pause but there is one thing probable mrs moxton if busham accuses you in any way we can turn the tables on him you call on busham lara to-morrow i must see about the will and the money smiled rudolph eh monsieur forget not the most important thing to you perhaps not to me replied mrs moxton with contempt my object is to get free of all this trouble of course i will help you eh most certainly but ask me not to meet the police i do not like the police for if monsieur zirknitz said ellis cutting short this speech how came it that your name was indicated on the dead man's arm the austrian was in no wise discomposed by this remark ah laura spoke to me of that i do not know i cannot say but i think ah uh, ma foi i think what do you think rudolph my sister i quarrelled with your good husband at dukesfield station and he went away enraged with me when busham struck him in the back you can't be sure of that interrupted ellis impatiently eh but i am sure insisted zirknis politely and edgar not seeing who stabbed him so cruelly thought that i did so then he wrote on his arm to tell laura but why in cryptographic signs that i cannot say the sign of a lizard was always the good edgar's little jest on me for my name is that of a town in my country where there are many lizards edgar found it in a book and always jested very little jests please the good moxton but now i must go said zirknitz rising i have told you all you wish my sister do you desire me to speak more no my good doctor have you a policeman without for my arrest no ah then i will take my leave not adieu dear friends but au revoir when zirknitz sauntered out of the room mrs moxton looked after him with a singular expression what do you think of him she asked he is clever it is a great pity he does not put his talents to better use oh mrs moxton shrugged her shoulders i don't ask you about his character i know about that well enough but do you think he is speaking the truth yes he has no reason to tell a lie i dare say he did see busham and do you think busham is guilty i can't say we have not sufficient evidence to go upon mrs moxton turned the conversation abruptly did you read the will yes i see that all the money is left to you i will give you back the document to-morrow what time do you wish me to call about eleven o'clock i have written to mr busham making an appointment for midday i am glad you are coming with me said the widow sighing it will be a difficult interview 
that remains to be seen at any rate we are not so defenceless as we were before if busham accuses you although i don't see on what grounds he can do so we can denounce him on the evidence of zirknitz he will deny that he was at dukesfield zirknitz can swear to his presence no doubt but will rudolph do so he is so afraid of the police ellis reflected for a moment you are not so candid with me as you might be mrs moxton said he seriously therefore you render my task the more difficult but answer me truly now has zirknitz ever done anything for which he is wanted by the police not to my knowledge replied the widow frankly but he is such a coward and his life is so open to danger that the very name of the law terrifies him beyond expression it is for this reason that i am certain of his innocence and for the same reason i shielded him by feigning ignorance of the cryptogram but we can talk of these things later i am tired now in this abrupt way she dismissed ellis and he left the house sorely puzzled his constant state of mind in reference to mrs moxton if he did marry her he would marry the sphinx that was clear enough mr richard busham inhabited a dingy set of offices in esher lane adjacent to the temple his staff of clerks consisted of two underfed overworked creatures who scribbled in an outer room for dear life at a miserable wage the inner room which had two dusty windows looking on to bosworth gardens was occupied by their employer this apartment was piled all round the walls with black tin boxes with the names of various clients painted on them in white a brass wired bookcase contained a few calf-bound volumes of legal lore there was a large table covered with green baize two chairs and nothing else a more dreary or barren room can scarcely be conceived but mr busham being a miser it suited him well enough he called himself a lawyer but he was really a usurer and gained a handsome income by squeezing extortionate interest out of the needy if the walls of busham's private apartment could have spoken they would have protested frequently against the sights they were compelled to witness the holy inquisition tortured people less than did this rat of a lawyer he ground down his victims to the lowest he lured them into his spider-web and rejected them only when he had sucked them dry his law was a farce his money-lending a tragedy the man himself resembled in looks fraser the rascally lawyer so admirably drawn by balzac and le cousin pons like fraser busham was small sickly-looking and pimpled his expression was equally as sinister and his heart as hard that is if he had a heart which his clients were inclined to doubt he scraped and screwed and swindled and pinched to collect all the money he could yet what benefit he thought he would gain from his hoarding it is impossible to say he never spent it he lived like a hermit like a beggar and gratified his sordid pride with the knowledge that he was becoming a wealthy man and when he arrived at wealth what then busham never gave this consideration a thought perhaps because he fancied he would never become as wealthy as he wished to be altogether the man was an unwholesome evil creature who should for the good of humanity have been in jail but he was clever enough to keep on the right side of the law he so misinterpreted at midday mrs moxton and ellis presented themselves before this engaging being and looked round the frowsy office with disgust another chair had to be brought in from the outer room for the accommodation of the doctor 
and when his visitors were seated busham welcomed them with a nervous titter which showed that he was not quite easy in his mind regarding the interview indirectly he resented the presence of ellis well mrs moxton said he in a whistling whisper his usual voice is there a will the widow produced the blue envelope and laid it on the table there it is she said it leaves all the property to me busham went green and gasped all the property to you he snatched up the will and hastily read it over i see it does was his answer then after a pause he cast an evil look on mrs moxton and opened a drawer of his desk evidently he was about to bring forward his accusation since you have shown me the will i have something equally interesting to show you said he quietly what do you think of this mrs moxton and on the table he laid a bone-handled carving-knife on the blade of which were dull dark stains of blood End of chapter twelve read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california